If you only have a 401k, you're not getting the most for retirement. Wait, what? Add a Robinhood IRA on top, then they'll boost it by 3%. You can do that? And if you transfer in any retirement account, you get 3% on top of that. Is there a limit to the match? No limit. Robinhood Gold gets you the biggest contribution match of any IRA on the market. Sign up for Robinhood Gold at Robinhood.com slash boost by April 30th. Subscription fees apply. Investing involves risk. 3% match requires gold for one year from first match. Must keep IRA for five years. Match on transfers subject to additional terms and conditions. Robinhood Financial LLC, member SIPC. Royalties is not the place to look because royalties are sufficiently risk-free that there isn't need for additional engineering of royalties. Where we have a problem is those places where we have 10% of a mine and we've not made money for many, many, many years. Look at bauxite. We discovered, for instance, that um, Bosai, you know, consistently say the, pro the operation is unprofitable and there's nothing you can do about it. They just simply say, well, they, they mine the bauxite, they don't make any money. So the 20% or so that we have in the bauxite regime is meaningless because they just clearly don't make money. But is there not a difference? Here we are putting the royalties into a vehicle, a company, mm -hmm. and hoping that this company will turn that money over and give us profit. Okay. In that regard, if you think it's the $300 million that you know you, you can reinvest better, you get you, you have a, a myth. You've changed the law in the myth, which enables the myth to set up an SPV, right? Today, without a Japa, the myth can set up a local SPV and say, what I want to put the $300 million a year that we get in gold is this, this, this. Let's discuss it. Because I'll make more money from this, this, and that. There's no need for any convoluted structure right. because we know that money is fairly certain. Okay. The question that arises when you need innovative thinking is where the money appears not to be coming. You seem to have an asset. It's in liquid assets, right? Where we do financial engineering and financial innovation is where you have an, an illiquid asset and you want to make it more liquid. Okay. Not when you have a very liquid asset and you now want to go and turn it into a more speculative asset. I don't okay. understand that logic. If you look at what has happened in that Japan transaction, it is quite clear that Someone very skilled has set out to circumvent the process, without doubt. Royalties is much more immune because we say whether or not you are making profit or not, give us our 5%. So if you want to maximize royalty uh, intake, your proper behavior should be how you spend the money. It's as simple as that. On the other hand, we've now got to a situation where of all the minerals that money that comes from minerals, maybe 90% or more increasing are just from royalties. Which then raises the question of this 10% equity we hold in companies, why are they not paying the dividends? So if there is a tiny problem to solve in minerals, it is that segment, the issue of how we maximize the returns to equity. And the arguments that have been made over a number of times have included the creation of a super company or super vehicle that has the maxel to make sure that representation in terms of board rules and things like that are stronger. So that the government, for instance, uh, is able to exert within these companies enough management pressure to ensure that we get paid. There are issues to do with, obviously, poor auditing. So I was just recently being told that if you go to the mines and you have these GRE officers that are supposed to make sure that um, their activities um, are properly auditable, some of them have been at the same mine for 13 years. And there are instances where it's quite clear and some of these people that are supposed to make sure that the volumes of gold that are being produced are properly audited, have no clue what they are doing, they are highly under-incentivized, their systems are not there. So we have big problems when it comes to auditability of how much gold is being produced and the costs. Or they may be compromised. 
that's a possibility. Then you have a situation also where when you look at the cost structure of gold, it becomes very difficult at that theoretical level to suggest any improvement because sometimes shareholders are getting 1.5% and they are disclosing costs that suggest that maybe 60-something percent of all costs are being spent in the country. So you look like, okay, maybe we are making enough already. Until you have to dig deep into it, then you realize that in actual fact, a lot of the purchases that are purported to be local are not sufficiently local in the way that they impact local value chains mm. and things like that. So when you look at all of those things, we need increased presence in terms of management decision making in these mines. And a super vehicle might be able to attract the right people to do those things. In simple terms, royalties is not the place to look because royalties are sufficiently risk-free that there isn't need for additional engineering of royalties. Where we have a problem is those places where we have 10% of a mine and we've not made money for many, many, many years. Look at bauxite. We discovered, for instance, that uh, Bosai, you know, consistently say the, pro the operation is unprofitable and there's nothing you can do about it. They just simply say, well, they, they mine the bauxite, they don't make any money. So the 20% or so that we have in the bauxite regime is meaningless because they just clearly don't make money. But is there not a difference? Here we are putting the royalties into a vehicle, a company, mm -hmm. and hoping that this company will turn that money over and give us profit. Okay. In that regard, if you think it's the $300 million that you know, you, you can reinvest better. You get, you, you have a, a myth. You've changed the law in the myth, which enabled the myth to set up an SPV, right? Today, without a Japa, the myth can set up a local SPV and say, what I want to put the $300 million a year that we get in gold is this, 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 let's discuss it. Because I'll make more money from this, this, and that. There's no need for any convoluted structure right. because we know that money is fairly certain. Okay. The question that arises where you need innovative thinking is where the money appears not to be coming. You seem to have an asset. It's a liquid asset, right? Where we do financial engineering and financial innovation is where you have an, an illiquid asset and you want to make it more liquid. Okay. Not when you have a very liquid asset and you now want to go and turn it into a more speculative asset. I right. don't understand that logic. If you look at what has happened in that Japan transaction, it is quite clear that Someone very skilled has set out to circumvent the process, without doubt. Given this consensus, which has emerged, including in the OSP's report, really, if the president is acting as a proper trustee for the beneficial owners, who are the people of this country, we can't proceed. Even with this thing. It is not in the interest of the people of this country. Mm. That's the consensus. I've not heard anybody outside die-hard loyalists or people close to the deal coming out to defend it. The points made also about the role of parliament, which goes again to a failure of oversight on behalf of the people, adds to this thing about a kind of political elite consensus, mm. about managing our resources in this case, actually, primarily not even in their own interest. In general, foreign companies and their shareholders have been the main beneficiaries of our resources. And one of the things which has been clear since uh, the, the, the commodities boom is how all the contracts that have been signed across the continent, their terms are so poor that we don't even get the returns that we should be getting. The president's directive is that after he had seen the report, he also asked the finance minister to also bring his response, which is a confidential memo. And he said, the president has authorized to be made public that uh, 
report also the memorandum to contribute to the national discourse on the matter. I'm saying that that proposal by the president really doesn't, doesn't stand up if in the context of the totality of the conclusions of the uh, OSP report. It doesn't stand up in the face of the consensus that the OSP report finds with all the technical, economic, process criticisms that have been made of the Japan deal. So if the president is acting in the interest of the beneficial owners of this resource, why does he want to persist with something which has been found to be flawed in so many aspects? So even though the president has directed, it is our right and responsibility, first as the beneficial owners, the citizens, okay, to, uh, uh, and, and also uh, as, uh, to, as uh, also who have an interest in this case, to ask, to analyze the president's reaction, to find out whether really it's a reaction which has legs. The he may have the power to mm. direct. Mm. That's his power. But it is possible to conclude that the president's proposals don't have legs. You sought this approach by informing cabinet that there was an urgent need to get money into the for development. What are we looking at in terms of development through this vehicle? Yeah, um, something. The uh, what what we are envisioning is that we're going to create the largest um, sort of royalty company in Africa, mm -hmm. um, and so we'll put about a fifth of the money. Um, aside in the quest for acquisition of other royalties as we build up um, this company. And, 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 and you, 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 you can see how um, $2 million can become $38 billion in a matter of time if managed properly. Mm. And that's amazing resources for that. So we'll put that type of money away as we look for that. The second aspect is that you look at the whole value chain of gold. And, and Ghana does not really participate in that much. First of all, we don't even have an international standard refinery for all the gold that we have mined. And so that we need to invest in and to make sure uh, that when, once the Ghana stamp is on bullion, you know, it is accepted internationally. The whole tourism, education, mining communities investment has not been done well. I mean, it is quite tragic when you look at Taka and Obwasi, given the same rules, how far we have come or how far we have not come. Um, so there will be investments in that place. Uh, how is it that, you know, being uh, such leaders in cocoa and gold, you cannot, you and I, something, name two or three millionaires in this area? You know, let's find a way in which there's dedicated resources so that we can support, you know, uh, miners uh, in Ghana. The difference between us and South Africa is that the South Africans own those places, and we, we have other companies doing that. That needs to be reversed, but that needs to deliberateness, you know, and these resources will help. Then, of course, when um, the President sent me to Parliament for the mid-year, um, as you know, we announced Obatampa, which is a 100 billion um, enterprise uh, that we have on our booster quarter 
of our GDP, of which 70% uh, will be private sector and 30% uh, will be that. So the, the, the issue of um, supporting the construction of the district hospitals, and then here the president has also said that this will be done by Ghanaian contractors, because he's thinking through this whole um, anemic response to housing and saying, how do we build our contractors so that from there we segue into a national mass housing construction plan? And I think that is necessary. A third element is the whole financial um, chassis. Uh, and so the creating of a national development bank, uh, which will be a wholesale bank, so that we can then invest in our venture capital, in our exim banks, in our uh, Ghanaian banks, to build this regional hub um, that we have committed to. Um, so it becomes, you know, um, pushing ourselves beyond what you say, the poverty of ambition, um, to, to realize that this transformation, uh, once God willing, uh, the president is giving four more years, uh, we take off running. Uh, Are we so not capable? of listing, itemizing the specific development projects yeah. with clear timelines tied to the revenue, the money that is coming from this enterprise so that that will be your social contract. So we, that's, that's we can hold yeah, you to I, I think if you were to um, deconstruct what I just said, you know, um, first 20% for royalty acquisitions, you know, are around and to build this enterprise. Um, second, uh, the value chain of gold, uh, which means that what money are you putting in to build this world-class refinery, etc. And what do we do for our indigenous communities? Third, I talked about the hospitals uh, and home construction and support um, for the National Development Bank. Um, so, so those can be spelled mm. out for you. The 20% that you say is already there, untouched. The 20% of the royalties, correct? Right, that, that in terms of the development fund. So it is not all the monies, royalty exactly money that is going yeah, we, we, yeah, we The questions are being raised as to that particular percentage. Has it in fact been available for the purposes uh, the 20% development fund. Yes. You know, I think it's been, uh, yeah, a bit quite, uh, not, not been, and not been exacting. And, and our... Kweku, ask, can you publish a 30-year cash flow projections based on the EJAFA model, just side by side with our inflows from the royalties under the current arrangement over the same 30-year period? And 30 years will be the life of a, of a mining lease. Um, and you know this, is, this lasts for the life of a, a mining lease and even when it is renewed. Um, and he says, I believe this discussion is about maximizing the overall financial and socioeconomic benefits that Ghana should derive from our mineral resources. It's a numbers game. So let's publish the numbers and let Ghanaians interrogate the numbers using whatever models or alternatives they have. So we can cut out the suspicions and personal attacks and rather focus on the real issues. How will you say to, what will you say to him? I, I think that that's welcome. It's, it's nothing that we cannot or should not do. And, and really in the end, after three, four, five years, it's all projections. 
as to what you think the mine life is and what the operating companies so do you want do. to do this well, we can i can i can go through um the 12 operating mines and do your guesstimate for the four development mines and see where you are going to you know the, the issue and this has been the cry so the issue do that I, I i can get my guys to start on it you know so, so we can expect there. this to be done yeah we can right you know okay. because the, 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 the but the challenge you know of, of all of us mm. is you know how do you do the valuation for where this uh, the price of this uh, company will be on the stock market over the 30 years mm. Yeah. The clarion yeah. call has been pause. Okay. Are you going to pause? No, we're not. Um, I, I think I so think I think this is a this is a I think I think this is a good transaction. Mm. Um, I think that the issues that have been raised, um, we have put um, light on that. I mean, my firm philosophical belief really is that the capital markets are meant for something um, that um, that will lead us to equity um, resources and we are not leveraging on it um, and therefore um, the question it's not a question of whether um, monetization of mineral royalties or listing of the company is bad or good you know it is good because that is how you raise resources. Uh, the question is a process of doing that. If we have a problem of the process, let's articulate it, let's cure it, uh, but let's not drop, you know, something that will be good for us and reduce our debt exposure. You know, so th those are two very different questions. How best to do it mm, as opposed to don't do it. Um, and so uh, my mind um, it's still there. I know the president um, has mentioned something about that going through um, the AG and parliament again um, to do that. Uh, but it's not something that I think is an asset um, to the country uh, that one needs to drop. You need to examine all your equity and debt positions uh, and make the best choice um, for the country, um, not the fleeting um, instances. We will never have done uh, senior high school if we listened um, to other people. That's 400,000 lives now, you know, that have a chance to do something. We would have stopped short at E-Levy because of the noise, uh, and suddenly we have a tax handle uh, that would be phenomenally important um, for the country. Um, so we need to look to, to look at that. So we would never have done uh, senior high school if we listened um, to other people. That's 400,000 lives now, you know, that have a chance to do something. Right, so you have been listening to uh, Bright Simmons. That was in 2020. Uh, Dr. Yao Graham of the Third World Network. And you also had um, Finance Minister Keno Foriata uh, in 2020 before the elections. Um, we want to first ask the questions whether or not the promise has been kept to, among others, broadening consultation, engage chiefs, engage council of state, and as you heard him in that interview um, that we had on Newsfile, that they were going to publish a 30-year cash flow uh, projections as it were, uh, so that we could all be informed
he had tied the projects as in this you know ejapa to a number of development uh, projects uh, get making sure that our dead bedding we are relieved of our dead bedding to uh, a large extent uh, building a bank building a uh, what is it is an industry a refinery uh, doing the hospitals doing the hospitals and more importantly perhaps ensuring that the mining communities the mining communities get what they deserve are improved uh, that's where we still are and you just heard him now on thursday saying we are going back to ejapa so what sort of review has been done and what is new let me get on the phones uh, on the zoom again bright simmons is with us dr steve Mantiao is with us and benjamin Boache, executive director africa center for energy policy is also here with us so um gentlemen i'd like you to briefly first of all tell us what new has gone on and if you are familiar with what is now being touted as the re the new ejapa yes uh, bright thank you samson i mean as far as we're concerned um the only significant developments of note is that there is uh, been a suit by uh, international actors against ejapa that is pending the ECOWAS court i think judgment will be given sometime in july of this year um, nothing else has changed dramatically since then. The governments are still not engaged with mining communities. They've not engaged with CSOs. Uh, there have been no efforts made to tackle the very critical issues that we've raised, um, some of which goes to the very heart of the integrity of the process, uh, etc. So absolutely nothing has changed from um, the perspective of most of the CSOs that were engaged with this matter. Uh, ben Except, Bwachi. of course, that the, the mm. passage of time has proven that Ajapa is uh, unconscionable, uh, con cannot be countenanced as unpatriotic um, and should completely be consigned um, mm. we, to the we will, of we, will, we will come to that. Uh, Benjamin Boache, what can you update us on? Uh, the promise consultations and all that needed to be done are the instructions of the president on the back of Martin Amidou's um, risk assessment, corruption risk assessment, and the campaign by the 22 CSOs that were against Ejapa? Yeah, thanks, uh, Samson. I think from our end, we haven't seen uh, any change. We saw some semblance of con consultation, uh, one in the University of Ghana, which was widely publicized, and you had students who had no clue what this whole transaction is about, uh, to be able to interrogate uh, what government wants to do. So uh, they had the same people who are sponsoring the transaction present their case and leave the room. All right. Beyond that, I mean, we have been tracking some actions, you know, trying to circumvent this whole consultation process uh, through some re-engineering or protocols, um, you know, with institutions like GRA, GIPC, uh, to establish um, bilateral investment treaties with Jersey, you know, to circumvent some of the critical concerns that civil society have had. And it was revealing, even listening again to the finance minister, 
the questions you asked him, you know, about whether he is willing to do the intellectual engagement on the propriety of the transaction. And they have not been available, you know, for us to interrogate what he is trying to do, except to say, in a classical, um, you know, stream of consciousness fashion, he's trying to tell you that if you are against the transaction, then you may be against the apostles of the land, uh, you know, and not ready to really avail himself for us to interrogate uh, 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 why he wants to, as Bright indicated, give away uh, the most secure stream of revenue in the mining industry uh, into speculative investment as he's seeking to do. So, I mean, they have not been available. Uh, we thought the words of the president were supreme and people were going to uh, abide by that uh, to ensure that the interest, you know, of the state really is high above everybody's interest in mm. trying to understand what we are getting ourselves into and for us to see what better options are available uh, for optimizing the mining industry in mm. general and not okay. just uh, a royalty. Uh, let, let me find out what uh, Dr. Steve Mantiao also thinks, if he has a different update. Uh, but Ben, you would recognize that uh, that was 2020. We're going into the elections. There are those who said that um, this was only to, as it were, placate people going into the elections. Yes, uh, Dr. Steve Mantiao. What do you know has changed? Uh, please unmute your mic. Nothing that has come to my attention. Um, and I find the Minister of Finance's comments last, was it this week, uh, quite disingenuous, inviting us to discuss the Ejapa deal because he's bent on bringing it back when actual fact he has not made public the revised um, transaction documents for us to be able to see how the concerns we've raised about the transaction of which he is aware because apart from the press conferences and the campaign that we waged we had the opportunity of meeting with him and the team and we laid our issues before him so he's aware and so for him to be inviting us to kind of discuss the approach and the process. It's for me uh, something that smacks of intransigence and, and disrespect to the CSOs. Um, at, at best, he should have acknowledged the input we have made thus far. He should also should have indicated what particular changes and how our specific concerns have been addressed and all that. But he, he kind of glossed over them and, and, and give the impression that they were going to proceed regardless. And, mm. I, and I think that does not speak well of a very democratic regime. In, in 2020, on, on this platform, he had been conciliatory and uh, said that, you know, the CSO's involvement was important, was useful, uh, it was good for the, our growing democracy and all of that. Um, today, we're hearing him say that um, you know, opposition to or criticisms of the E-Levy, among others, uh, were noises. And that if the government were to be, you know, fixated on these noises or listening to these noise, um, it would not have done free SHS. Uh, E-Levy would not have been, you know, passed, which is an important, you know, uh, 
you know, tax handle. So that is a signal to you that you have been heard. They are in control. They must, you know, steer the ship of state. Well, something, I think this is the intransigence I talk about. It looks like um, the government is hell-bent to take Ghanaians for granted on this particular issue. Um, reference to uh, free SHS and other programs that actually drew some criticisms from Ghanaians is for me um, untenable in this discourse. Uh, this is because, look, nobody had ever actually contested the usefulness of free SHS. It was a matter of the strategy and approach. And I think the current approach has brought untold hardship on, on, onto this country. Um, the, a lot of the fiscal challenges we are facing today are as a result of the free SHS. Mm. We should have actually, stag, uh, what do you call it, graduated the implementation. Which is, uh, which is actually his approach at the time. Has created a he, lot of he didn't, challenges he didn't approve of the wholesale approach at the time. Hello, Dr. Mantia. Um, I think uh, we are losing his feed there. Um, so let me get back to uh, um, Bright Simmons and Ben Boache uh, to get into the details. So, uh, Bright, we, we tried to get back to memory lane um, about some of the issues that you had raised at the time. Um, you're still where you are, nothing changes. Yes, Samson. Um, I think the, the Minister of Finance's um, comments betray a certain mindset that um, the government has to be cautious about. It's as if the government feels that merely because in the face of serious opposition they get something done, it's automatically evidence of the success of that thing. So he says that, you know, notwithstanding all the opposition against E-Levy, as it was designed, um, they've still got it passed through and therefore it's a good thing. He calls it noise. He for. calls it noise, not, not opposition. Yes, it, no. all, despite all the noise, they still get it passed through and that is a good, I think that's a very dangerous um, attitude to take because you could use a lot of power to bulldoze your way through um, and that would not necessarily um, lead to the right outcomes for the nation. But on Ajapa, I mean, we have to, you know, just rehash the arguments we've made so people get the points. In this country, over 95% at this point of our mineral revenues come from gold. And from gold, over 90% of the revenues are royalties. This 5% or you know, roughly that amount of the gold sales that are made from this country go into the government, whether or not the mines make profits. We have equity in the mines. We own a percentage of the mines as a state. But because the mines don't declare that much profit, we don't make enough income from that. We also get some corporate taxes, but that is also hinged on profits. So the royalties are the only fairly stable source of income that we get from the mining sector. And the government's plan is to take 75% of this amount from the mines that we are able to track, because we also have a lot of uh, unregulated mining in this country. So from the mines that we're able to track, 
want to take 75 percent of that money put it into a vehicle get some of the money up front and hope that in the future they will get some dividends so it's a matter of just calculating whether or not what they are saying benefits the country but the way that they want to do it also matters the way they've structured the transaction also matters and we've had a public servant of impeccable integrity the honorable martin amidu this was a gentleman that was an attorney general and that in his own government when he felt that things were not do being done right openly openly warned the public eventually left the government proceeded to court used his own resources to secure the money that he felt the country had lost back to the country he was so respected that when the government changed and the government wanted to set up a special prosecutor's office they felt that the person best positioned to hold that office was the honorable martin amidu and they brought him into government so there could be nobody more independent nobody more impartial in this matter he took months investigating this and on page 54 uh, page 55 of a very detailed report he established clearly without doubt that all the evidence he's been given and all the analysis he's performed tells him that there's nothing within the structures that have been created for this ajapatin that will not prevent people that are close to government eventually owning ghana's most secure stream of income from gold through proxies and therefore to his mind the conflict of interest amounts to corruption and that this was dangerous for the country that is where we are he analyzed in great detail how it arose that the government manipulated the procurement processes in the way that it acquired the transaction advice for this enterprise and that how eventually mechanisms have been created so that what will eventually happen is that you will have trusts in offshore republic uh, offshore jurisdictions with very limited transparency and the people that will own this stream of income will be allies and uh, proxies of people that are close to government they will get this income but nothing is definitely assured in the long term so this is where we start this is where we start this is the only serious independent analysis of Japan that has been conducted in this country by someone that you can perceive to be independent-minded he had no ill will against the government it was the government that brought him up from opposition and then made him special prosecutor he's the only one that the government trusted to look deeply into this matter he took months talked to the finance minister and everybody else involved and then came to that conclusion for the government to completely dismiss that a few months thereafter and say they are just bringing it back betrays a degree of impunity that frightens most of us in society but let's go back to the key point and i know i'm hogging the limelight here because there are extremely qualified people on this uh, show who will, will do further justice to the matter but let's go to the fundamental matter at stake we want to take money that future governments going into 30 years from now many many years because the way the agreement has been structured this thing could be recycling itself for years money that many governments rely upon a very significant source of money money that given our current project is more than year level every year goes into the state treasury we're going to pack it all into some vehicle sell half get the money up front and the remaining half we leave it to independent so-called directors to determine how much dividend they will pay if they make any dividend at all that is the nature of the situation we are facing mm. this will be the most expensive capital raise in a long time we know why that 500 million they say they will make by selling half that entity or 49 percent of that entity at least 10 percent of it will go to the advisors that they have handpicked because they like them 
And those advisors and other transactions of uh, um, brokers and the like will take more than 10% of it. So the implied interest rate of getting that money is higher than if you borrowed at our last uh, uh, rates that we borrowed on international market. It's almost 10%. So when they say that, oh, equity is cheaper, we don't want debt because we are overloaded with debt, that does not make any sense at all because elementary finance will tell you that equity is more expensive than debt. But in this case, beyond you know the general cost of equity, you also have huge transaction costs. As I said so in fact, that we don't even get the, the full $500 million that we've been promised. On top of that, once the company is, incorporated, uh, is, is listed, the way they've structured the listing is something that is entirely controlled by minority directors who are investors that their transaction advisors, because they book run an IPO, will choose. And they will determine whether or not they invest in Ghana's gold sector or they pay dividend, et cetera, et cetera. Lastly, all the arguments that have been made so far, none of them, none of them, vindicates the position that this approach helps the country in any way. If we look at current gold price and we even reduce it a little bit in terms of an average for the rest of the year, look at the likely amount of gold production now that we're also seeing significant upticks in some of the, the mines. We could potentially make almost $300 million or even more this year, potentially. Now, if you go and sell the right to, make gold, uh, uh, to earn this income in the international market, and take half of that for $500 million, no other money necessarily certain. It's like saying that money that we can in two years make, we should sell the family jewelry in order to get it. Every valuation that has been shown, everyone who has looked at analysis independently has come to the conclusion that the valuation that they are using for the asset is perhaps one third of what you could get if you are using an arm's length transaction. That's not even the most important point. Most important point is that no government should be given the power to deny future governments of revenue in the fashion that is being proposed at the rate that is being proposed. We've seen instances where consistently the current government takes future streams of income that other governments will use, front load it, keeps that money for today, and forget about future generations. You know, take of all the money from ESLA or the energy levies, Think of the money from the GET fund. And consistently, we create these structures, front load the money, spend it, forgetting how we're going to pay for our other uh, debts in a few years forward. We think that is not really acceptable. There should be a sense in which, even if the government wanted to securitize the gold through a much more cleaner, efficient process than has been proposed, they should not be looking at all the discretionary income that we earn from royalties, apart from those that are bound by statute to, 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 to other purposes. Uh, that money that they want to put in, they should have put in a smaller fraction of the gold at a much higher valuation. So we've decided, from the point of view of looking at all the prudential measures, how much gold is rising in terms of production and prices over the long term, how much the price of gold tends to over the century to rise, and that if you fixed the situation the way that they've done it such that get a little benefit upfront, and then you forget about what will happen one year from now, two years from now. You get into the kind of fiscal situation we are in where we borrowed so recklessly on the euro market, euro bond market, without proper planning about our debt sustainability. Lastly, and before I come back in, when, if you give me the chance again in, in, in the near future, we've also looked at analysis of, in pure terms, how much are we selling the gold for? Because that's what it amounts. It's some, we have a percentage of the gold we mine in this country that come to us regardless of what happens. 5% of the gold that has mined come to us regardless of what, is, what happens. 
We are proposing to sell half of that upfront. How much are we selling it for upfront per ounce? How much of transactions that look like this, what is often called royalty streaming, where you are selling the money you get in the future today? And we find out that Ghana is being cheated dramatically when you look at comparisons with deals that have been done recently. To the point where, in some instances, by looking at all the factors involved, something you can sell today for 1900 sell in the future for maybe $1,450 if you take into account inflation and everything else. You are trying to sell at $200 per ounce after you've computed all the, all, that, all, all the factors that matter. So our argument is this is a way to take something that belongs to the people of Ghana and give it to investors and others that are perhaps favored by this uh, administration, but not necessarily people that if Ghanaians had a say in the matter, they would want to take over those assets. Thank you very much. Uh, what a brilliant submission there uh, with those slides. Um, that's a lot of work that has been done in just how many minutes. Thank you very much, Bright. Um, so um, you're invited to send us your comments and your views. Uh, first of all, tell us how you are getting ready for the hikes in tariffs for water and for electricity. Uh, we understand that the current circumstances are really harsh. Uh, transportation fares have gone up. Uh, food, everything else is going up. And inflation is running crazy. And this is not limited to only Ghana, but elsewhere in the world. In America, it's getting really bad. Um, then, what do you say should Ejapa return? Uh, the government wants a Japa back, should it return. Bright raised the thorny issue on the valuation. There was questions about the devaluation or the wrong valuation and so on. This is how the finance minister responded to that. Uh, let's listen to him again, and this was in 2020. After that, let's hear Ben Boache on how we should look forward, including the question of the valuation of this generational assets and wealth. You say we will get to know the value and that this is nominal. And you had actually, you know, began by saying that we can't possibly know the value before the IPO happens. Now, are we not talking about, like you mentioned, two different things? Yeah. Price is different from value. And what value you put on the royalty will affect the determination of the price on the market. That's not necessarily true. Okay, help me. So, so let's say I have a software company, you know, and I go into, so the, the, the auditors will say, well, so what are you bringing to the table? Mm. Okay, and you have a few equipment, etc., etc., and so that ends up being $1,000, okay? Then I go to the market, and the market determines that these ideas that I have a hundred times multiple of that value. So I'm, I'm trying to really make a distinction uh, between presuming, you know, that that stated capital or value that is put uh, to create a balance sheet 
it's what it is you go to the market for and that it is somehow uh, linked in a way in which you then compromise the valuation that we are going to have and I think that really is a there, there must be an empirical basis for that and the question yes. that is being asked is how did we arrive at this value and that is what and the I suggestions coming up yeah. is that even if we relied on the 11 mines right um, you know the projected production mm -hmm. will show that we sh we should have far more so that's that's the concern really and, and I, you know the i mean we don't do this things you know of of the calf in terms of determining um the, the fair value as we say of, of the financial asset. Mm. And so I will have to interrogate, so how many ounces really did they use? Mm -hmm. And what are the different mine lives that we are talking about? You know, some four to 15, et cetera, mm -hmm. et cetera. Right. I could even add that in future, because we are going to be buying royalties of other companies, that also could be factored in to see um, what, what you will get. Then on an accounting basis, huh, um, the discount rates um, of, uh, have, have an effect on it, okay? Mm. So you do something like 7.5% um, for the operating mines, you do about 10% um, for, for the operating mines, and we, I think we struck, uh, they struck a balance of 8.1% um, to do that. Uh, but um, for the market valuation, a discount as high as 5% and could be used. And this was all done with IFRS and, and the auditing firms to, to really come to something that then is acceptable for us to go. Right. But the issue that I, I really want to stress mm. is that this is not going to compromise the way in which we strike the value for um, at IPO. Okay. In the same way in which Ashanti might have been determined at 480 million and we went at 1.8 million. So we have a history and therefore a comfort to know mm. that yes, we accept that there can be different ways in which one comes to evaluation for the fair market value for the books and a very different way in which the, the pricing will be done um, for going to market. Okay. Right. Ben, what do you say? Um, I think more importantly, and again, having also just, uh, you know, watch and listen to Bright's presentation a while ago, what's the way forward? Yes, thanks. I think um, Bright uh, has gone into the process where, you know, the minister is now inviting us. Uh, because from civil society perspective, our initial um, you know, work was really to focus on the propriety of the transaction, you know, to see how we optimize the interest of Ghana. It is not because we didn't know that the process was faulty. We deliberately left that out. And, um, you know, Martin Amidu did a detailed work, you know, from you know, the, the system perspective. And you also had the Attorney General also raising significant concerns about why Ghana would want to do uh, such a transaction. But as I indicated, we wanted to focus on exposing the, 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 the problems uh, with the transaction, and one of which was the valuation uh, question. And even when you look at the valuation, 
you can only trend available data on the producing asset. You are assigning 48 leases to a Japan, and we have only 12 projects on those leases. There can be many, many projects uh, on those um, leases in the future. So if you use um, revenues or royalties from the 12 projects to do your estimation and your valuation, of which even in that space, you are still undervaluing the asset, what do you do with the future projects that will come on that concession, for which the investor will still benefit? Because we have codified the geographic location of these 48 leases into an agreement and assigned the interest uh, to a Japan in this transaction. So what that simply means is that any investor who puts in money because of projections on the 12 project stands to benefit even if we get hundreds of projects on the 48 leases into the future. And our position is that it's not a simple cash book financial analysis that you can do to be able to estimate what potentially we can get. And the numbers are there. If you track even on the 12 uh, producing asset, you realize that the companies every year discover more gold and the timelines of the project extend. And that is why, you know, the sponsors of the transaction, which again exposes the pro process, were smart to say that as long as gold can be extracted from those leases, uh, Japan has an interest in it. So it is deceptive for anybody to say that, oh, we have five or 15 years time frame. And that is not in the agreement. The agreement states that as long as gold can be commercially extracted from these leases, by giving us $500 million, these investors have up to 49% stake uh, on these leases. And that is really worrisome, all right? And if you track back to the process where they are inviting us to see that the people who engineered the whole process from the establishment of the MIF Act to the agreements that subsequently ensue. It is the same people who knew what they wanted from this transaction, all right? And we cannot uh, 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 pretend we do not know at this point. And I think civil society have to do a good job of now also getting into that process to expose why some of these uh, uh, problems are emerging for which, I mean, nobody wants to listen and engage on the intellectual basis uh, why Ghana cannot take a less risky asset and inject it into uh, 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 the kind of risk and assumptions that we, we are being uh, uh, exposed to. And the finance minister makes the point that, I mean, if we list on the stock exchange, we could all of a sudden turn this asset into several billion. I heard him mention $38 billion. I mean, what is the numbers? What are the numbers to justify or to show that we can track that growth in the next 10, 15, or 20 years. I mean, the biggest streaming company with most diversified asset is Franco Nevada. And their assets are about $26 billion for all the metals that they trade in. And for the many years that they have been in the space, you know, diversifying into many portfolios. Finance Minister wants to convince us that in the space of time, we can be able to outperform all other streaming companies that are all hovering around $1.5 billion, you know, to move ahead of Franco Nevada, uh, that has to be justified. And that intellectual discussion is really crucial uh, at this point. Why we wanted this agreement so badly to go back to parliament is because of the posturing of the finance minister. And you heard 
the, the, the video that you played from uh, last week, that you either listen to him or not, because he's willing to do it. But so our hope was that if we had this agreement back to parliament, then we have opportunity to that, then engage in that intellectual exercise and also examine the process that gave birth uh, to this Ejapa transaction. And also, I mean, the new appetite to now, you know, securitize all our natural resources, uh, you know, for a short-term gain. And this is not just happening uh, to our royalty, and we have to pay attention to that. Just last year, we had finance minister supporting uh, GMPs to buy 7% stake in our oil fields. And that asset is now hiding in Cayman Islands. All effort by civil society to get that asset into Ghana has failed. So you have $300 million cash flow that in this critical period of our country can support the budget and provide buffer, you know, for uh, uh, the kind of books that he's looking for to be able to raise debt. But it's hidden in Cayman Islands and it's not part of our budget. All right, there are also speculations about attempt to use the heritage fund to also create another security for investment. So civil society will have to double up and now examine the process much more thoroughly to see what is engineering that faulty assumptions around how we can optimize our resources. Let's come back to even some of the assumptions that is creating MIF and many other state enterprises to be able to do business uh, in the space. On this same royalty that is supposed to go into investment, social capital investment, to improve lives of our people, to reduce carnage on our roads. Because we passed MIF without consultation, last year, Ghana government gave 1.3 billion Ghana cities to MIF, in spite of the budget, the big hole in this budget, for MIF to now think about what investments they want to do with it. And they're now saying that they want to invest about $500 million in small-scale mining and track the mining industry. It is only the large-scale mining companies that are contributing significantly to revenue in the mining sector. Even those small-scale mining gives us about 40% in production. So you are now taking the revenue you are getting from the big-scale companies and go and risk it in the small-scale sector. And the operational cost of MIF alone is about 30 million Ghana cities. You know, if you trend that in the next five, 10 years, the money that you could invest directly into uh, infrastructure development and building the country, you are now getting that speculative assumption that if you set up vehicles to be able to reinvest the revenue, that is what will generate the returns. We need to interrogate that to see whether, you know, fixing the road as a government is better than assuming that you can make investment and generate returns. All right, so something, it creates a new avenue for us all, civil society, uh, media, and independence to be able to an, analyze where we are going as a country with our natural resources and apply the bricks at this point. Because if you track just the institutions that have been established in the past 34 years, we are pumping about 100 million uh, Ghana cities a year just to maintain these institutions. You talk about MIF, you talk about GISDEC, you talk about GUIDEC, you talk about uh, Petroleum Hub. They are all siphoning resources that can actually go into social capital and alleviate the plight of our people in these hard times. And we have to take a critical look at these kind of flowery assumptions that are not generating value uh, uh, for the Ghanaian people. 
Interesting there. In the circumstance that we find ourselves, clearly the government is determined to proceed. Um, when he had absolute majority in parliament, of course, uh, as people have said, because of elections, it pulled the brakes. Now it says it will go forward and you have a hung parliament. You are still looking for the prospects of it getting to parliament so you can participate. Is that a realistic, um, you know, expectation? I mean, from what we have been tracking, it, it appears not realistic, but I think all of us have to jump in. As I indicated, I mean, finance minister now wants to sign a bilateral investment treaty uh, with Jersey, the tax haven, you know, to allow Japan to happen. They want to sign double tax agreement uh, with Jersey again, all in the name of Japan. So they are determined to circumvent the promise by the president for the transaction to come back to parliament. So these are the things that they are doing that again, advocacy has to be stronger, uh, civic action has to be stronger, you know, to pull the brakes on. Otherwise, hope of getting this back through parliament may not materialize because as the agreement that was approved, if they are able to get the so-called investors to be comfortable with other arrangements, they will push through without going back to parliament. From where you sit, this must not happen at all. Or what it is, what is it, one critical thing that must happen to it before it happens? You see, from where I sit, royalties are not what you need to securitize or to improve uh, how the mineral industry uh, functions. I, I, I heard a minister mention how other countries have fared well, uh, like, um, uh, you know, uh, South Africa. If you go to South Africa, royalties are not 5%. Some royalties are below 1%, all right? And the reason why they're able to do that is because they have optimized the industry. They have local capacity to participate in the industry. So their interest is rather in optimizing the value chain and making much more money than royalties. Ghana is still focusing much more on royalty because we haven't gotten to that extent where we have extensive local participation and participation in the industry. And therefore, we think that getting the revenue at the top rather works. So the end game really is to look at how do we get to where South Africa is, be able to participate, empower our local industries and businesses to participate in the industry and generate more value. If you go and lock your 5% in royalty, and for the life of all mines in 48 produce uh, uh, potential leases. How then do you get to the point where you can reduce the royalty to in, in, encourage investment upstream so that you can tie your local businesses to uh, uh, the upstream industry when it becomes possible? Mm. So you are locking your fiscal regime to a Japan transaction because your foresight is so limited to what you can get today and not what the industry should look like five, 10 years uh, from now. That is why I keep saying that it, it goes beyond fiscal understanding of how the industry works to actually optimizing the entire value chain, talking to the rest of the segment that the, the, the Lands, uh, Natural Resources Ministry has a role to play uh, in this, industry has a role to play in this, to ensure that we align you know, our local businesses and industries to be able to optimize uh, uh, the, the sector. Oh, we right. cannot use fiscal engineering mm. to curtail any other process that can better enhance 
uh, the potential of the mining industry uh, for Ghanaians. All right. Um, as already uh, uh, invited you already, uh, let's have your views, your comments on your preparedness for the tariff hikes. And what do you say? Should Ijapa return after listening to all that you hear from our guests? He, Ben Bwachi, raises the issue of the Jersey uh, matter again. Let's hear what the finance minister had to say about this. Uh, and it, obviously nothing has changed. And then we take a break. We return to hear from uh, Dr. Steve Manteau. We will then have the opportunity to have all our guests give us their concluding uh, statements. Fundamental question then becomes, um, what is wrong with Jersey? Yeah? Mm -hmm. And then you say, how are you maximizing um, this decision um, that, that you want to make? So Jersey is part of the United Kingdom, okay? In which uh, they have determined um, that in giving um, certain tax forbearances, it enables companies to be listed to, to, to come there and also list on the London Stock Exchange. So in terms of transparency and ability to see uh, what they are doing, um, that, that is not something that we worry about. Um, registering the company in Jersey, enabling us for the investor uh, to feel comfortable with the jurisdiction and therefore invest, it's important. Mm. So you look at all of the um, various um, companies like Wheaton, Franco Nevada, etc. Even the Norwegian fund listed in Luxembourg and the Cayman Islands, etc. So that they take advantage um, of, of, of investor comfort to do that. Um, so you, you ask yourself, you know, wh what is it that we have been um, so much more Catholic than the Pope? Tax day is coming. Oh, no. But if you sign up for Robinhood Gold's IRA with a 3% match, you can get up to $195 for the 2023 tax year. Oh, yeah. Sign up at Robinhood.com slash boost by tax day to get the biggest contribution match on the market. Subscription fees apply. Investing involves risk. 3% match requires gold for one year from first match. Must keep IRA for five years. Robinhood Financial LLC, member SIPC. Discover the secret of Alphabet City. A modern gated community with bright and spacious two to three bedroom apartment units situated in a stellar location at Sakumonok. Each apartment block is equipped with elevator, fitted kitchen, and elegant bathroom fixtures. interest-free payment plan of up to five years or a mortgage financing of up to 20 years to secure your dream home now. There is nothing more than a secure home. Invest in Alphabet City today for a guaranteed returns on your income property investment. Call us now on 0240-11-1119 or 050-449999. Ah. Good business means seeing the possibilities and maximizing opportunities. Making sure you have a responsive support system. 
reach your business goals. A partner that gives you a stable platform with reliable connectivity and seamless solutions and better understands the tools required to take you to the next level. With so many moving parts in running a business, we do our best to provide you with some stability. The only kind of stability you can find with MTN Business Broadband, the fastest and most reliable internet provider in Ghana. Making sure you stay ahead and stay connected because we understand what makes your business tick. Sign up today on broadband.mtn.com.gh or call or WhatsApp 0244-308-111. MTN. senior high school if we listened um, to other people. That's 400,000 lives now, you know, that have a chance to do something. We would have stopped short at E-Levy because of the noise, uh, and suddenly we have a tax handle uh, that will be phenomenally important uh, for the country. Um, so we need to look, to, to look at that. You're welcome back. This is News File. It's your most authoritative news analysis platform. And here on News File, we put Ghana first. And my guest, Bright Simmons, Honorary Vice President, Imani Africa, Dr. Steve Mantea, Policy Analyst and Co-Chair of Ghana Extractive Industry Transparency Initiative, Benjamin Boache, Executive Director, Africa Center for Energy Policy, ASA. And... Uh, they all belong to the 22 civil society organizations that kicked against EJAPA on broad uh, matters of, you know, uh, risk uh, and, and governance issues as far as the deal is concerned. This show is brought to you by Candace Kertz of Bank of Africa, strong as a group, close as a partner, MTN everywhere you go, Ashesi University, educating ethical and entrepreneurial leaders for Africa, Robert and Sons Optical Services, your comprehensive eye care service provider for 31 years, Way Lead Properties, home is where one starts, Duroplast, where Duroplast goes, water flows, Trasaco, fast floor, stronger, faster, and affordable. So, um, the CSOs uh, assisted all of us <clears throat> in exposing important governance vulnerabilities and risks from the deal. And these included the risk of the valuation, or what they call the undervaluation, woefully undervalued. Um, you had other aspects like Fuchikata and the rest of them writing about this subject matter and saying that we're giving just too much uh, uh, of what we we could get you know and that we stood to get a lot more if we could just wait and manage um, the assets more properly they had issues with loss of control over the gold uh, sector governance loss of ability to repay existing loans there was limited consultation and there were also questions of transparency and accountability and then corruption risk which Martin Amidu uh, did the assessment as special prosecutor and the deal failed 
all the tests. K. Amufa says, it seems in Ghana, public servants are employed to tell citizens about existing problems instead of proposing solutions. It's always, it's always not the fault of the public servant, but everyone else. God help us. Eugene uh, Plastique says, intellectual fisticuffs on news file. This is what we need most of the time on issues. Professionals from the sectors involved, um, okay, confront each other with the facts and figures to arrive at the best possible way forward. Uh, Linka says, price of utilities, especially water, should be increased on regional basis. That is areas of regions or regions that encourage and condone galamse and pollution of water bodies should be made to pay more. Well, uh, you go to those uh, places where the mining goes on and you find that those who are actually behind the mining <laughs> are from your capital, uh, national capital. Uh, the emperor says tariff increment at this critical moment is just insensitive. Prices of goods and services have seen astronomical hikes in the past months. Um, OK Azuma says we must strengthen parliament and put in mechanisms to block the blatant maneuverings we saw on TV when E-Levy was passed. This would help us to check executive excesses in times of this cruel Ejapa quagmire. Parliament is weak in the current regime. K. G. Kofi Amwa says, let's admit and open our eyes to this. The government wants to do all it can to uh, still control and benefit from the nation's resources, even in opposition. Fianco Henry says, if you manage the job well, you will have enough to support the company in hard times. They have squandered the revenue nothing left to support the economy right thanks for your messages now let me go to uh dr steve manteo um dr steve manteo you you had this to say this week so i want you to hear this first and then let's hear you continuing from that uh you spoke uh, briefly about this japan deal and this is what you had to say please listen regarding my heart that at the peak of the campaign against this arrangement, and following the release of uh, Mr. Martin Amidou's uh, corruption report, the president stepped in and asked that the process was told, and that the concerns that we're raising must be considered and factored, factored into the arrangement and then brought back to Parliament for reconsideration. So it isn't like we've been criticizing the deal without making suggestions as to how it can be improved. This is what we've been doing. Um, we had expected that the finance minister, um, given that it's been made public, that the transaction documents have been revised, would have been, uh, if you were acting in good faith, disclosed the revised document for us to be able to interrogate it 
and assure ourselves that the concerns we had about the transaction had been adequately taken care of. Some of us have been trying to lay hands of the supposed revised documents without passing. So I will take opportunity of this medium to request the finance minister to publicly disclose the revised EJAPA transaction document so that we can all discuss it from a very informed position and see how together we can improve it for the benefit of this country. You said this a while, you said this a while ago, if you do not get a voluntary you know, public disclosure as you demand of the finance minister, it would have been expected that this naturally would have happened. Uh, if he doesn't do that, if the government doesn't do that, what next? Well, Samson, I, I will be pleasantly surprised if the government did that. So even in requesting that government made full disclosure, um, I'm not deluded into thinking that um, they will oblige. Mm. Let me say that all government mm. is doing with the Japan is trying to avoid scrutiny in terms of how they manage our mineral revenues in this country. Because in 2016, they promised us in the MPP manifesto um, a very comprehensive framework for managing mineral revenues, similar to the Petroleum Revenue Management Act which has been hailed globally as one of the best, in fact, the best in Africa. So we're expecting a Mineral Revenue Management Act. And what did we get? A MIF, which actually has built into it a mechanism to shortchange this country. Now, if the government indeed has nothing to hide, they would have voluntarily, first they would have engaged the CSOs following the, uh, the president's directive. And they would have also disclosed the outcome of the consultations and the revised documents. These they, they are unable to do because they know nothing substantial has changed. And so, well, the option we have as CSOs, as citizens, is to raise the concerns and hope that all Ghanaians will actually be part of this resistance of, of this uh, scheme to, 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 to shortchange Ghana. Mm. Right. So... Um in the next uh, three minutes, um, let me hear from let me hear from uh, Bright Simmons. Uh, what can you say in a minute will be your concluding uh, comments uh, moving forward? Um, um, give me a second. I'm just going to show you something on the screen in just the very short time that we have. That's all right. Um, the Constitution, uh, in its uh, very important provision, tells us what minerals are in this country. Article 257 says, All public lands in Ghana shall be vested in the President on behalf of and in trust for the people of Ghana. It proceeds to tell us where we stand when it comes to minerals. He's only holding them in trust for the people of Ghana. You are the beneficiaries. He has a fiduciary relationship with you, and he has to discharge that responsibility. Uh, do you have it? 
I have it. I just want to re-emphasize the fact that when the finance minister keep trying to create the impression that um, a Japan's designed will more or less be valued by the stock market, he's not allowing the facts to speak for themselves. I mean, the agreement is very clear. Mm. The, there is a share subscription. Somebody is buying the rights. Even before you go on the stock, uh, you go on the IPO process. So there is no doubt whatsoever that evaluation is cast in concrete in the contracts. And I'll put it on the screen so you can read it for yourself. You can take a picture, you can read it for yourself. Right. So there's no room you know, in, in this analysis that allows you to make the case that you know the market is wise and the market will make the valuation work. Secondly, we know also that there is no effective term, which is the point that uh, Ben has already said. Based on how much gold gets produced in those areas, if we discover 10 times more gold, uh, Japan makes 10 times more money. But this is really problematic. Next, if the finance ministry believes that the way to maximize our mineral resources to get more Ghanaians to own assets, then the simple thing to do is for the $300 million that they are earning, uh, $200 million to $300 million that they'll be earning going forward, they can invest that in equity in smaller scale projects and invite Ghanaians in on convertible debt basis so that we have equity in those areas. You don't need a convoluted structure hosted in a, a tax-free jurisdiction, uh, sorry, a tax haven, um, listed on the stock market, et cetera, et cetera. None of that had anything, the fundamental goal that you want to put in money into equity holdings in the industry. Why do you want to alienate the little we have in order to create room for some investors who sit in London and are controlling London to come and own this year? All right. Another point that is important is maybe last point. Mm. If they really want to insist that the entity that is in London will still be controlled by the state of Ghana and therefore the rest of our equity that will be in that entity will benefit Ghana. Then there are options that the London Stock Exchange itself allows for that kind of control. The sovereign listing options, you know, where you can create a sovereign control commercial company and list them. Why did they not use that option? That tells you that the ultimate aim of Ajapa is to alienate the national ownership put the ownership of the structure in the hands of investors who are favorable to report that structuring the deal so unless the people who have been indicted by the special prosecutor are not longer involved cso's are going to view what they do with extreme prejudice because the special prosecutor was very clear mm. that the purpose of the transaction appears to be to turn it over to the promoters what is actually at this stage Ghanaian owned assets okay really uh, gentlemen gentlemen thank you also very much uh, this is all time will allow us my guests have been bright simmons honorary vice president imani africa dr steve mantiao policy analyst and co-chair of the ghana extractive industry transparency initiative benjamin boati is executive director africa center for energy policy asap and as always, my outfits is by Habil Scooter. You can call them 0200-84-1988. Have a good afternoon. I'm Samson Ladi Anyanini.
you only have a 401k, you're not getting the most for retirement. Wait, what? Add a Robinhood IRA on top, then they'll boost it by 3%. You can do that? And if you transfer in any retirement account, you get 3% on top of that. Is there a limit to the match? No limit. Robinhood Gold gets you the biggest contribution match of any IRA on the market. Sign up for Robinhood Gold at Robinhood.com slash boost by April 30th. Subscription fees apply. Investing involves risk. 3% match requires gold for one year from first match. Must keep IRA for five years. Match on transfers subject to additional terms and conditions. Robinhood Financial LLC, member SIPC.